Hello, and welcome to Season 2 of An Unconventional Guide to Success. Scott and I are excited for this season and hope you will truly enjoy our incredible lineup of guests who will share their stories and help us as we continue to explore concepts and discuss real-life examples showing that the path isn't linear and that the journey to success is self-defined. My name is Linda Misagatis. And I'm Scott Montgomery. And we will be your guides. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to An Unconventional Guide to Success. I'm really excited to be in the studio here today with my co-host, Scott Montgomery, and um, with our special guest today, Alex Chard. So um, welcome, you guys. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Welcome, Alex. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Absolutely. Linda. Well, so just a little bit about Alex. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, this is going to be fun to, to really dig in a little bit more uh, around this is that Alex is the head of programming and content uh, for U.S. Public Sector Network. And I get the chance to work with the Public Sector Network and Scott has as well with the World Gate Organization, which has been great. Um, but the Public Sector Network is a social learning platform and it exists to help governments around the globe to break down silos and collaborate and work together for better outcomes for citizens. Um, And then the growing community spans uh, really all tiers of government and public services um, and allows members to network, benchmark, and share best practices. But Alex is the U.S. Head of Content and Programming, and in his role, it's to engage with leaders from across public sector, uh, explore areas of interest and expertise, and build programming that meets their needs. And Alex gets a chance to work really closely with leaders at the local, state, territorial, tribal, and federal levels, um, and really provide a forum where they can share leverage and insights while, while really remaining engaged with their peers. So um, so Alex has got such an interesting background, and so much of what he has to do aligns with what Scott and I have been talking about around things like relationships and partnerships and, um, and really kind of that whole social networking and social capital. So we thought how fun it would be to have Alex come to the studio and talk about that. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, so I'll, um, I, uh, although Scott doesn't always agree with me um, on my approach here, but that's okay. We'll see what he does uh, when I ask this first question. He might totally throw you off, Alex, and say, no, that's not the question we're going to ask, Linda. So um, so just be prepared. I mean, it could happen, but. I've already got this queued up. That's exactly what's going to happen. You go first, Linda. We'll All see. Right, we'll see what happens. So, um, Let's but... make it lively. I love it. That's right. It's it loud. keeps me on my toes too. Exactly. So, um, but you know, Alex, um, just to kind of lighten it up a little bit is, um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live and why would you live there? That's a really, really good question. Um, I, you know, I've been fortunate enough to live abroad previously. Um, I lived, I lived in France for six years in Paris specifically. Um, and that was an amazing experience really kind of helped dictate and drive my worldview, um, and, and kind of how I engage with people. Um, But if I had to choose another location, completely, completely different, um, I would say I'd I'd likely move to somewhere in Asia. I don't necessarily have a location in mind, Um, you know, maybe South Korea, maybe Vietnam. Um, But the reason that I'm I'm chiefly thinking about a location like that is because it would really pull me out of my comfort zone, right? I'm somebody who kind of thrives with challenges. um, And I really, really appreciate, um, you know, kind kind of engaging with people who and cultures and perspectives that I have not had the opportunity or have had limited opportunity to kind of engage with previously in my life. And so um, I think it would really pull me out of my comfort zone and give me the opportunity to just learn 
from, you know, from beginning to end all day, every day. I love that. Yeah, that's it. Well, and actually, you know, that's a good um, segue into something I wanted to ask you is because at the beginning of all of our events, you always comment um, and thank um, basically Native American because and typically we're on somebody else's land, right? right? And so you make a point of kind of bringing that up and, and introducing that. And it's subtle um, the way that you do it, but why do you do that? Like, why is that important to you to to recognize that and to acknowledge um, in the various locations when we, you know, when PSN has these events? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I think from from PSN standpoint, right, we're as a mission driven organization and one that is very specifically um, inclined to support citizens and residents across the entirety of the nation. It's really, really important that we are mindful and cognizant of every citizen, right? And all of the challenges that they may be facing so that we can try and help address some of those concerns and hopefully try and move along the bar for for those folks as well. Uh, The other component, just for me personally, um, I'm a firm, firm believer that everybody needs to be a part of the solution, right? And that no no individual, uh, no locality, no nation has a monopoly on great ideas. Right. And so uh, it's really, really imperative that we're bringing everybody into the conversation because, you know, native leaders are dealing with a lot of the same challenges that other leaders are dealing with across the public sector. Right. They're dealing with cybersecurity challenges. They're dealing with workforce issues. They're dealing with data privacy and concerns of that nature. Um, And so they're not going to be able to help inform for the rest of the nation if they're not involved in those conversations. So it's it's a first step. It is by no way. Uh, you know, in no means, shape or form, um, a, a kind of final, final process. It is not just to kind of make that acknowledgement and let that live alone. Um, it, it's really about taking that first step, building relationships, building trust with people, and then making sure that they are involved in those conversations uh, down the line. That's so key. I really resonate with that and what you're talking about and building relationships. What an interesting way to sort of segue into that not being a final thing in a presentation or an introduction, but rather the invitation to starting to expand that social capital. That's really impressive. That's And that's really in theme with what we're trying to do here and just sharing with folks the dimension of relationship that matters to get things moving forward and the collective and how people aren't alone in an asylo in trying to accomplish the, the greater good. Yes. Yeah, yeah. which ultimately leads to success, which is typically an unconventional path. People tend to think that they have to bear the cross of getting the work done and doing it so rigidly when really it's a collective. And starting to open that up is one of the reasons we had you on today, Alex, is because that's really an impressive concept and one that we would want to share with everyone. So thank you for bringing that. Absolutely. My pleasure. So, Alex, talk a little bit about your journey to get where you are today. So, you know, Scott wrote a book, um, How Did you, How Did You Get Here? And that was really what kind of launched us talking about all of this is that everyone has a different path and a different definition of success. And you kind of have an interesting background in, in like, why why did you decide to kind of go into what you did and, you know, it, it aligns nicely with your personality for sure, because you're, I, I, I know I connected with you immediately and it's just like this relationship side of you that, that helps, but talk a little bit about like, how did you get here? Um, like, why did you choose this path and, um, you know, and, and what's important to you? Yeah. Believe it or not, I kind of stumbled into it. Um, I, I think that in many ways, what I was studying at university 
didn't end up, while it was very interesting um, and, and it's the type of thing that kind of keeps me, keeps me guessing all the time. I studied economics and specifically macro. Um, <laughs> while I find it very, very interesting and something that I personally find a lot of uh, joy in, writing reports was not, that was not the path for me. Right. Um, I feel yeah. you. I feel you, Alex. Yeah. I'm a humanities guy. So if you're not painting a picture or giving something, you know, love and poetry, I don't know what you're talking right. about. Yeah. And so, <laughs> Sounds like that might be the opposite. I mean, for me, it was I had to engage with people right at the end of the day. Yeah. And so yeah. um, having that opportunity to kind of impact uh, conversations and the direction that those things were going, that's really what drew me to to events and to collaboration and to driving as much as possible, right? Getting the right people in the room so that they're making decisions and making moves that can kind of impact people down the line. Um, So that's kind of how I fell into, I guess, the event space more broadly. Yeah. But then after that step, um, candidly, moving into the public sector was, was kind of the next step for me. And in a lot of ways, that was both a driven by some mentors who I had, right, who kind of um, helped me understand uh, where my skill set could best be leveraged uh, and how I could also find a lot of joy in that process. But in a lot of ways, it was, and you know, I, I'll, I'll probably sound like a like a geriatric millennial. Um, a lot of it was was predicated in trying to help others, right, and to do something that was a little bit bigger than myself, and that. Um, working in events can be very, very lucrative, uh, but at the same time, you don't necessarily get a great feeling at the end of the day because you're helping somebody else pad their bottom line. If you're helping drive actual initiatives that are going to be impacting people's lives, I think that you can, you know, you, you can walk away with your head held high. I think I think I'd love to just jump in on that. That's a really important thing that you mentioned about how mentors helped you. And mentors helped guide you into your best self, as if I, if I can paraphrase what you said. One of the things that I think will be really important for viewers and listeners to hear from you would be, how did you let those mentors in? How did you choose them? T- talk to me a little bit about that relationship, because I wrote an entire chapter about that. And I think it's key that when people give you opportunity, we find ourselves respecting that opportunity by working in a place we didn't expect, i.e. economics, right? Now we're in public sector, public sector. So could you just talk to me a little bit about how you let those mentors in or why you chose them and how that went down? Sure, absolutely. I mean, part of the process for me, um, and, and, and I think this goes back to some of the conversation you all had the other day. One thing that really struck me, if I may, before we jump into that, one thing that really struck me was the idea of not, not paying a mentor for that, for that insight, yeah. right, that you all shared uh, in, in a recent episode. Right. Uh, that that's that's the world of a coach, right? That the mentor should right. just be kind of helping you and guiding you and giving you that insight uh, to help drive you along in your process. So for me, a lot of it was finding individuals who I don't want to say necessarily had a a shared worldview per se, um, but a lot of individuals right. who, who who had, I guess, a worldview that I could attach to, right? And and there were aspects to that that I could absolutely learn from, draw from, in terms of insight and the like. Uh, but a lot of it was finding individuals where we had, at, at the very least, a, a bit of a synergy in our perspectives, right? That helped really set me up for success because engaging with those folks, whether they were coming from a university professor, right, who really just kind of took a liking to me, whether that was somebody who I directly reported to, uh, with which I've had the, the, uh, the good fortune of having a couple of folks who, uh, not only started yeah. out as managers, but very kind of quickly became mentors. 
uh, but also just individuals who I had the opportunity to engage with more broadly. Um, I think of a gentleman who I've been working with um, here actually at Public Sector Network, who's who's given me the opportunity to broaden uh, my, my abilities, my skill sets, who's giving me additional training on some points uh, that I never really thought I'd have the opportunity to get into outside of the context of a coach, for example. Um, right. So this is somebody who actually pulled me aside and started giving me these sorts of insights uh, for free, right? And, and and giving me that sort of perspective on how I can proceed with my career, next steps, um, and how I can basically leverage the skill sets that I've used to date or that I've built to date uh, to further... Yeah. Uh, further my career and further the impact that I can have on others as well. And the way you fall into that is they helped you hone in on your inherent skill set. And then you, if I'm, if I may, did you feel compelled then as that mentor gave you these opportunities to deliver for them what could also benefit for them through your own skill set, right? Absolutely. Did you find yourself, right? And I think Absolutely. that's really important. And I love how you talked about university. So 22 year olds coming out of college that don't understand Start with your professor, right? And then, and if you've got a good boss or you see someone at the office that you aspire to have a better view of the world from, global views from, like you said, don't be afraid to reach out to them. And, and, and I think that's really important that you hone in on those. And I'm really glad you said it the way you did because they're everyday people in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. They really are. And you can't, you can't kind of leave it to, to happenstance, if you will, right? I think it's really, really important right. to go out and proactively engage with people on those points. And not every person who you necessarily may want to be a mentor for you is necessarily going to be the right fit. And that person might not always have the time or the ability to do that as well, right? Um, I think it was Charles Buckley that very famously said, I'm not a role model, right? Um, and so, and, right. Right, so, so that, that sort of thing, it doesn't always align how you want it to. Um, but you have to be open to it. You have to engage people. You have to, uh, you know, put yourself out there uh, to find that opp those opportunities. Because if you don't, candidly, you're just going to miss it, right? You're, you're never going to have the uh, chance to get that back. Alex, thank you. Gosh, I hope our listeners are really honing in on that because it couldn't have been said more beautifully. Pay attention, Beautiful. kids. Pay attention. That's right. I that's totally right. agree. That's right. No, and I think that's great. And it really is such a, an amazing point. And, uh, and it really, it ties into just what we've been talking about, about, you know, mentors and leadership and relationships and networking and social capital and not being afraid to step outside your box. And that, that, that social capital isn't social media, right? Social capital is no in-person connection, making those relationships and, um, and really establishing that network of people that, that really are there to help lift you up and, and help and that you in turn, you know, will then turn back and help them when, when you have yes. the opportunity to do that as well. Um, hence how we all accomplish amazing things in this world. But Alex, what would you say, like, what's your biggest failure and how did you learn from that experience? You know, it, it's, oh boy, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. <laughs> Are there any failures? Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe I mean, you're really. just perfect, Alex. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty presumptuous oh, on my part. <laughs> right, Linda. I mean, he is our guest. Come on now. <laughs> Tell us a time you weren't satisfied with your results. How's yeah, that? You know that? That is every day. Oh, that is every day. Um, yeah, right, right. I'm never right. satisfied with my results. At the end of the day, I'm constantly fighting with myself for that kind of next level of improvement, right? So um, right, that, right. that is key. I am my own worst enemy on that front. But that I, I would say that my... my my most significant failure, I think, at the very least professionally um, at this stage, um, and if I'm, if I'm being 100% honest with myself and with everyone, it, it, it was really poorly ending a past uh, employment relationship. Um, 
I, I had a, a situation a few years back whereby, um, you know, and I'm not going to get into names or anything like that because that, that would yeah. not be that yeah. would not be the right way to go. But the the company wasn't doing great, um, and I myself in the role I was not doing great. Um, okay. And there was a kind of general tension um, within the company that was very very unfortunate. But at the same time, everybody, myself included, contributed to, right? Um, And as things started to go worse, instead of taking it upon myself to be the, you know, the better individual um, and, and, and try and kind of redress a lot of those challenges and put myself more in a leadership position um, and try and bring some positivity, um, I found that I ended up kind of pulling back a little bit. Uh, and a little bit more than I naturally do. That's not kind of my personality and my approach yeah. to work. And so um, I not only felt like I let the organization down at the end of the day, because when our relationship did end, um, it wasn't on the best note. Um, I, so I felt like I let them down. But at the same time, I also felt like I let myself down. That that just was not my best self. That was not my best professional self. And that any way you look at it, I could have handled that situation significantly better. Um, sure. and, and one of the things that really kind of came from that and something yeah. that I really learned from it was being much more intentional in, in relationships, right? And being much more intentional, very specifically with leadership who I report to. Um, and not just the individual, but the broader whole in terms of leadership in an organization. And so um, I, I've since, uh, in, in, in roles, spent much more time focused on managing up, right? And, and engaging yeah. with leadership on, on a much more proactive um, you know, let's make positive movements here sort of basis, as opposed to saying, you know what, that that doesn't fall under my purview. I'll just leave it to them. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't touch me. I'll just deal with it if it comes up. So that has been a, I think, largely the right choice in my career um, since I've since I've kind of made that pivot, if that makes sense. Well, and if I can paraphrase that at all, the growth edge on that would be these are the folks that have the global view you made reference to that could help you expand in your horizon and become mentors if you remain open to that. So what an interesting segue into mentors provide value and we have to put forth our own honoring of said relationship. And it feels like your best failure might be that you didn't honor the potential of those opportunities. And that's a good thing to note here for, for the next generation, young entrepreneurs or people in business. You know, it, you're not doing it alone and listen to what you're saying as it ties to the things we're reviewing today. I mean, that's, Fantastic. What an awareness. Yeah. What a lesson to Sorry, you had there. to go through it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and if we can help expedite it here today, that's good. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that kind of goes to that whole growth mindset versus fixed mindset, right? Because I think that we we can really mm-hmm. find ourselves stuck in that fixed mindset and and really can like this is what I do, this is my role, and and you know, and and no opportunity looking outside of that. And when you have the growth mindset, I think you can look beyond that and and also not get caught up in the titles of everyone too, right? right? Because I think that's also what stops us, right? Sometimes like, well, he's the CEO of the company or he's the president. And so therefore um, I can't possibly, what could I possibly bring to the table? Um, and recognizing that it's just a person 
who's worked hard and is in this position doesn't mean they're the smartest person in the in the room. It just means that that's the figurehead that's there. So don't be afraid to to step in and say, "Hey, have you thought about this? Have you taken this approach?" And I actually think that if we would be a little more bold in that situation, that leaders would actually they embrace that, right? They do actually want us to do it. We've just kind of gotten caught up in this belief, like, oh, well, I can't talk to them because they're the, you know, whatever that leadership position is. So absolutely. You know. That is so well said, Linda. So well said. I, I think that a lot of folks tend to think, especially younger folks coming into, into mm-hmm. business, right? If we're talking about students, if we're talking about folks who yes. maybe had a very unconventional path to getting uh, into business or into leadership roles oftentimes do have that concern, right? And they're really, really concerned about, okay, well, well, how can I make this? This is a major concern that I have about the direction of the company, the direction of the strategy, the direction of its project, whatever the case may be, um, and not feeling bold enough, as you mentioned, right, to bring that and air that out and make sure that we're addressing that preemptively. I think that's an amazing point. I hope the kids are are, are listening in, especially the students, the folks that are coming into business and picking up on that point. It's an amazing point, well, and, and if I can add to the repertoire of the folks that are actually looking at that, business owners forget that they need to do that for their clients yes, as well. You said that, Scott. So, I mean, partnering with clients, I mean, Worldgate, my firm partners with UKG, and we're in an, in a constant evolution of where we can, where can we provide the best value and how do we work together more succinctly for the greater good of our customers. And it's really a fascinating dance that if you don't bring the opportunity of listening and communicating effectively... Yes you're not going to get to that answer and opportunities like the one you described being your biggest failure is exactly what's going to happen on a scale business to business, college student to new hire. Right. So you've got that whole repertoire. Yeah. Really important stuff. I'm really, really glad you're bringing that up. I mean, Alex, you're a godsend to the, to the next generation. I hope my mom's listening in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and send the clip to your old, send this clip to your old employer and say, look, I didn't mean it the way it went down. Maybe that's good energy. And to tell you the truth though, one of the positives, I have been able to engage with some of those folks since, um, and, and, and kind of clear the air a little bit, right. And kind of reestablish some of those relationships. So, uh, the goal is never to burn those bridges, right. If you can, if you can rebuild them a little bit, that's always worth your time. I had a mentor. Linda and I've had a few. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I had a mentor years <laughs> yeah. ago who told me, uh, Linda, if you're going to burn a bridge, you better burn it to the ground because you never know <laughs> right. when you might have to cross that bridge again. And so I, I think I've only ever in my career ever burned one to the ground. Um, for the most part, I have tried to do exactly what you said there, Alex, and and really be able to because so it is such a small world. We think that you know yes. it's so big and massive, and and you're never going to cross paths. I have crossed paths, um, you know, with more people that have been in my life through, you know, from the beginning all the way to now. It's amazing to me. And with the advent of social media platforms like LinkedIn, you see it even more, right? And so mm-hmm. there is an exposure concern there too, right? Because if mm-hmm. I am, <laughs> you know, you're putting yourself out there and you're putting yourself into these platforms, and if you have not carried yourself well or presented yourself well, that can come back in and really get you in your career as well because you know it's like oh well i remember that linda and she wasn't really all the things that she's she's saying that she she is um you know uh and so it, it is really important i think to to maintain those positive relationships um 
them. And to your point, you don't have to burn them down. You don't have to like everyone either, but you know, it is really important to just leave the right impression and, um, and carry yourself in that regard. So, so no, excellent points on that. Well, I know like relationships yeah. and partnerships are really important to your business. And so can you talk a little bit about, because especially what you do at public sector network, because not only do you have to convince partners like us, right, to sponsor the events so that then they can really be a free platform for government. You also have to convince government um, folks that it is, you know, that this is a good platform for them and that they should participate and be a part of these and the networking side of it. So, you know, how do you kind of, um, because government can be challenging to develop relationships in and convince them that they should be a part of these things. And so how do you, um, you know, kind of leverage the relationship and partnerships that you've developed um, um, across say across your career i'd say a lot of guilt i'm, I'm big at you know <laughs> just guilt tripping people until they say I yeah, no it. i can't yeah, i can't yes. do what you gotta do um no you know it's 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 interesting uh be, because uh, similarly to let's say uh, a new hire for example right everybody's yeah. motivated by something a little bit different right everybody right. has a different mandate that they might be dealing with everybody has a different approach that they're trying to address or a different angle to what it is that they want to share so there are absolutely going to be times candidly where it's very very easy um where where that person or that department or 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 agency has a mandate to get the word out. They want to share that information. And in that case, it's just a question of kind of highlighting why this is the best form for you to do that and to achieve that goal, right? Yeah. On the flip side, uh, for the folks who I would say it's a little bit more, more complicated, it's really about identifying what they're going to get out of it and how they're going to then benefit on the on, on the back end, if you will, right? And that can be obviously any number of things, right? If you've got an individual who's, you know, maybe they shared with you that they're not the happiest in their current role, right? That they could potentially give them some visibility so they can find a new position, right? Or if there's somebody who's looking for support in a project, right? Then you can kind of highlight some of the other individuals you might have the opportunity to engage with who can kind of help drive that along, those sorts of things. So at the end of the day on that front, that those understanding how people operate, understanding kind of the psychology behind it a little bit without necessarily getting into psych classes per se, Um, you know, kind of wrapping your head around those motivators, that is extremely, extremely helpful in driving people, for lack of a better term, to kind of do what you're requesting, right? Um, But at the same time, I think one of the other components is that, and I found this specifically, excuse me, within the public sector, is that I found a lot of folks are very voluntarist. They want to share a lot of this information. They want to get out there because they have Many no. All right, let me put it this way: Nobody really goes into the public sector to get rich, right? No, they do not. That is right. right. No, yeah. you don't, you don't. <laughs> not a mission-based work right. there. Exactly. Yeah. And so, right. be, because of that reality, I feel like a lot of folks are much more prone to want to engage on that level, want to to communicate the information and the work that they're doing, want to um, share with, I'll, I'll say, the broader public uh, how those initiatives are are, are, are driving forward. And yeah. because of that volunteerism, I found that it is very, very easy to engage with people, if nothing else, from an understanding, knowledge, learning sort of standpoint. Um, right. And especially when you push position it that way, I think a lot of people kind of want to share that information. So that's been 
it's been an ongoing learning opportunity for me because I am consistently, consistently the stupidest person in the room and I love it. <laughs> it is phenomenal. Oh, phenomenal. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because at my firm, we call that cultural behaviors, right? And it's engaging in, and it's a good segue into sort of a different, different genre. I won't go too far into it, but building that cultural experience up with, like you said, your, uh, your constituents and the people you want to influence. We do that at WorldGate with our employees and we put together these growth mindset uh, behaviors mm -hmm. and reactions to how people are going to interact that are tied to mission, but they're also tied to success. Because when you achieve the mission, you achieve the success. Typically for our firm, that's supporting what you're talking about. So culture plays a big role if you can look at culture in the way that you just described it you're describing it as a way to get people to follow what you're doing. And I'm saying it's the way we do how we do our business. So it's interesting how you can tie that yes and sort of cultural right. behavior together. Yeah, right. absolutely. I think it's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. Well, and what I love about what you guys are doing anyway is government is one of the most un misunderstood uh, industries out there because we only equate government with our experiences, right? So um, I don't need, you know, most people have no idea the amount of services that are provided on a day-to-day -day basis by government because unless you have to interact with those agencies, you don't know. And so we only think yeah. about either from a political front, right? So we think of government and all of the crazy stuff that is out there um, that none of us you know, really want to be a part of. And then we've got the other side of it, which is all of the service delivery, because that is what government's purpose is for, right, is really to serve people. And so we, we don't always know. And that's what I love about the platform is it gives an opportunity to give a voice to those who, who really don't and maybe a greater understanding of some of the amazing stuff that happens out there that wouldn't happen if we didn't have those agencies and those government functions um, available to uh, to the public so yeah absolutely it's funny too how you think about you know that that we rarely we rarely think about government unless things are going wrong right we don't such a great we, on that service yeah. front right it, it, yeah. i mean it's yeah. it's when you're having trouble at the dmv that you're you know yes it's yeah. true yeah, it is. No, we 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 only equate with our experience. You're absolutely right. So, well, you know, in in your role, you've got to, I'm sure, have a lot of balance um, around, you know, managing the travel and the relationships and setting all of that up. So kind of like, well, what's one of your favorite productivity, um, you know, hacks? Like, how do you keep yourself um, productive in the environment that you're working in? And, um, you know, like, what kind of uh, uh, approach do you take to, um, to managing your your day and keeping that balance yeah it's 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 not always easy it's not always easy candidly uh the, the, i still work uh remotely uh okay. so so that absolutely comes into play i don't have yeah. the reality anymore of, of being face to face uh in an office which is unfortunate at times i, I do enjoy yeah. that um I'd say that the, the number one thing that I do is I, I try as much as possible to plan my week, even above and beyond my day. Um, yeah. And that doesn't mean that there's no wiggle room. That doesn't mean that there's not time to address issues that may arise, you know, in the moment. Right. Uh, but I try and really kind of structure the key things, the key projects, the key initiatives, uh, the key goals that I want to get done throughout the course of the week as kind of my one, two, and three, right? And that ends up yeah. being my North Star. Everything really drives towards those initiatives. Then there are the kind of secondary things, right, that you need to move along little by little, but maybe that's not necessarily a project that is 
that needs to come to fruition for another six months, right? And right. so you kind of work sure. on that incrementally, get it a little bit done, let's move it along, right? And make sure we're hitting those milestones. Um, so that is absolutely one of the key things for me, but I do have to make sure that I'm integrating that time to address those those hot button issues that come up, that fire that needs to be put out. Let's make sure we've got some time on the calendar to do that as well. That's a big so one. It's interesting me. to me that yeah, no, that's and that's that's awesome because what I heard in that is goals and objectives, right? So you set the goal for the week, and then you line the activities or the objectives of your week to achieve those goals. Yeah, yeah very much so. Yeah. And, that, and, and a lot of time that gets overlooked and it becomes a reactionary state for folks. So getting ahead of that weekly is a really good chunk of time and it's not too far a reach and it's not too short an objective, right? right? Because an objective is more in the moment, it's got an actionable you know, task to it. And a goal has got more of a, I'm trying to get to this end result. So it's really important um, that, that, that you do that. I, found that. I find the same thing. Um, when I, I don't do it weekly and necessarily I have a whiteboard and I have all kinds of different places. I kind of keep my goals in line, um, but you got to break it down a little bit and be careful. Don't get too far ahead. Right. I used to find myself going, well, what's my five-year goal and what's my 10 yeah. year goal. And I'm like, Holy mackerel. That's a lot of pressure. How about we just chunk it down to a week to your point, yeah. very manageable and digestible. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, five years, yeah. maybe, you know, buy a house or something like that, but <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. No. Well, and I think that's part of the problem, right, is because we do, we overwhelm ourselves then, right? Yes. If, so sometimes mm -hmm. it's kind of taking a step back and, and to your um, point, Scott, maybe it's not even like for the week, it's for the day. Like sometimes I find myself stretched so thin and I'm like, I've got to peel this back and just think, what am I going to get done in the next hour? Um, right. Because, you know, right. it's like we get so much going on and then we come become overwhelmed then we pretty much shut down. We don't do anything. Um, and I think, you know, it's kind of like taking that step back and also going, okay, it's all right for me to maybe just take a moment and kind of reset and then kind of get focused back in and break things down into digestible chunks, you know? Um, but it's hard to do that sometimes because we do. We're like, we're such a instant gratification um, world that we live in today that, you know, we also think from a productivity and goals and habits, like everything is just going to be instant instantaneous. Um, like right. we're just gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I, I was just reading that book, um, Atomic Habits. Um, it's one that's been around forever and I've never read it. And I thought, you know what, I see it all the time. I'm going to, I'm going to actually read this. And there were just some interesting things in there, like where they talk about the fact that you don't, um, you know, if you want to run a marathon, you don't say, I want to run a marathon. You say, I want to be a runner. So what steps does it take for me to be a runner. And I can say, honestly, in my life, I've never taken that approach. Um, I'm like, I'm going to go do a right. half marathon. I had no idea what it would take to do a half marathon. Didn't put any effort into it all. I just have a very strong mental capacity. And so I did, I've done it three times now. And in every time you think I'd get smarter and actually do the work necessary to be a runner, but nope, I don't do that. And how much easier my life would be if I would take that approach. But I thought, what an interesting way to put that is that it's not saying, you yeah. know, um, I'm going to do this activity. It's I want to be whatever the outcome of right. that activity is. Right. right. And I thought how fascinating that is, because that helped me even kind of in my own brain think about what are the steps necessary then to get to that point? And I think, you know, right. you can learn a lot from taking an approach like that for sure. So, well, it's interesting you say that, Linda, too, if I may. Um, goals and objectives have to be met with habit. Yes. And habit of becoming a runner, habit of what I, what I refer to in my book is peak performance. Yes. 
So if, if I can just take it a step further with you, Alex, I'm sure there are certain things you do to meet your goals and objectives that help you work in peak performance as a habit mm -hmm. to maybe how you take care of yourself and get yourself and your mental and physical capacities in line to meet with those objectives and goals. What is if you believe in that theory, is there things you do that, uh, that help that? Well, believe it or not, one of them actually goes back to a point that Linda had just mentioned. Um, and, that, and that's really self-care, right? I'm a big believer in yeah. self-care. And I'm also a big believer that eventually you get to the point of diminishing returns. Right. If you're are you just sure you didn't read. That? Are you sure you didn't read this? <laughs> Not yet. There's an entire chapter on self-care. There's an entire yet. chapter on self-care. You couldn't have said it better. No, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Chapter title. Uh, anyway, I'm I mean, sorry. I think it's Go really, ahead. really important. Right. Because and it's, I, I think that we've learned this quite a bit, especially over these last few years with COVID and, and, and yeah. you know, post-COVID right. fallout, right. let's say. Um right. Taking care of yourself, making sure that you're taking that moment that if you know what I've. I've kind of lost my train of thought. Let me step away for a minute. I'm going to take right. a walk. I'll come back in an hour, right? If yeah. you want to take a nap, take, you know, do whatever it yeah. is that go have lunch, totally. whatever it is, go take a walk with the dog, take a swim, whatever it is that you need to do to kind of reset yourself, reset your mind so that you can come back with fresh eyes. I think that's the right way to go. Yeah. Um, and I try and do that on a daily basis and really kind of bake yeah. in some time to make sure that I'm stepping away for a little um, that has been absolutely key for me because I cannot tell you how many times I've been racking my brain, trying to find the solution, trying to, to, to address whatever the challenge is. And I'm just coming up with crickets. And so, you know, coming, you know, just stepping away, that makes the, a world of difference, a world of difference. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's definitely a key that. one for me. Well, and that, you know, the yeah. funny thing about you saying that is Scott and I were just had, uh, we, on our, um, one of our other episodes, we were talking with Nick Kittle a little bit about this hustle culture, right, that we live in. And for those of us who have been around a little bit longer, um, we have de we definitely grew up in a in environment and culture of, you know, you sit at your, you get up in the morning, you go, you sit at your desk and you're there and you're present, even if you're not doing anything, um, you are, you know, it's like you're kind of chained to that, that idea that I've got to be here and I've got to be present. And, um, and the idea that I would take, you know, go in the middle of the day to take a walk because that would actually help me clear my mind and I could be more productive mm -hmm. than in that um, that environment was not something that we were raised in. Um, and uh, Nick made a comment about he had heard, you know, other uh, some other people, an, an older generation he was uh, presenting at, who had said made a comment um, like this younger generation they're just lazy they don't want to work and um, and I thought you know when he said that uh, I was wondering how he was going to respond to it and he said what he's what he told told that person is maybe this younger generation is just um, a little smarter than we are about self-care, about finding the balance, about having that, you know, it isn't all about work. Um, you have to take care of yourself. And, you know, there's that whole balance in all of that. And maybe this generation is just more in tune with that. And that's uncomfortable for us who grew up in an environment where you certainly, that's not, not what you did. She didn't go in the middle of the day and, you know, go uh, walk to the park or, you know, go do those. You, this you just also, wasn't okay. So. And, and you also didn't get the pings and dings and emails and phones and yes. all the noise coming at you. So you're not comparing apples to not apples when you think that no. way. The world today is just insane data. It's insane data share. That's true. So sometimes you just need to take a step back. It's just a constant, yeah. yeah. No, for sure. I mean, that, that's a really I love thing. that you call it self-care. Yeah. And I love that you call it self-care. 
because that has a different connotation, but I think that's the movement, right? Take a minute and inhale is part of the process. Yeah. Working out, uh, yoga, meditation, mm -hmm. manicures and pedicures, it's all part of self-care if you're recharging. Yeah. 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 You were going to say, I'm sorry. I, I think that that's a really good point because when we were in a more traditional nine to five yeah. uh, kind of situation, right? There's, there's a clear delineation between when work starts and when work ends in a yes. lot of ways, right? right? That we don't necessarily have in the more remote environment or in a more hybrid environment. Yeah. And so stepping away from an, for an hour when you're in the office can, can certainly be perceived in a certain way. I think that when you're working from home, especially um, yeah. where there's the propensity to start a little earlier and end a little later, I think it's incumbent upon you to take that time. I think you have to, candidly. Um, yeah, you lose yeah. all balance if you don't. That, and I, I'm glad you said that too, because you're right. In the environment that we're in today, where we are working from home and we have these, you know, we've got our, our iPhones and our iPads and our watches, and we are constantly connected. Um, and so if you don't learn, especially in a, in a remote environment, like everybody feels like, oh, it's so great that I can work from home. Well, the problem with that is that if you've never worked from home, it is then very hard sometimes to create the separation yes. in here I am during my work time and then here I am during my personal family lifetime um, and trying to find that balance and all of that because it's now it all runs together because we're, yeah, I even think about, you know, many years ago when I would go on vacation, uh, you know, I would take, I, I took my laptop with me um, because that's how people would have to get a hold of, of me. You know, you couldn't really disconnect um, from that, but now I can't disconnect at all unless I shut it down, right? I've got to turn off my phone. I can't wear my watch or something, you know, because it's in this constant. And so I think the the idea of self-care is probably more important today than maybe it ever was because we're in a information overload time. You know, it's like, it's just, it's, you're always on and it's exhausting. Um, I think that's why we're seeing so much burnout and mental health issues and everything. It's like, it's just really bubbling to the surface. So. And I, and I think that the thing that's really important takeaway in our conversation today is that you schedule the objective of self-care doesn't mean family time. It literally means recharge yes. time. So you're not going from boundaryless work home life. You're actually importing an hour of you time. Yeah. Right. And if I heard you correctly, Alex, that's what you're trying to do. You know, that's what I do. It's six to seven in the morning. Don't bother yeah. me. I'm doing weights, I'm doing whatever, swimming, I'm doing my morning routine. It doesn't affect anybody else, but it's my time to recharge. So I like to highlight the fact that if our viewers are watching this and thinking, okay, well, I've got to separate my family time. Sometimes families with young kids like mine, yeah. when they were younger, and I've got three of them, that's just shifting crazy from work to yes. home. <laughs> there has to be a little import of Where's the my massage, time. pedicure, yes. manicure, workout, <laughs> eat a slice of pizza sure. and drink a beer time, yeah. right? Yeah. It's so true. That's called self-care. Yeah. Absolutely. It really is. Absolutely. Yeah. And bake it into your schedule. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 100%. Well, hey, Alex, we always like to kind of end the show with three questions. And so sure. um, I'm going to ask you um, uh, what three books you'd recommend to our audience and why, why those books? All right. So I've got... Um, I've got careful how you answer books. this, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> careful how you answer this. Yeah, Scott's always uh, uh, self-promoting, so just ignore him. I'm Alex. not afraid to pitch. 
And I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Hey, you've got a podcast. You might yeah. as well. Right? You you think he was an entrepreneur that was trying to uh, to drive his businesses or something, right? So I'm just teasing. It's well done. No, it's well done. I'm actually really looking forward. As I mentioned earlier, I'm really looking forward to reading the book. So I'm 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 not gonna I'm Thank not gonna you. recommend it just yet. But maybe you guys will invite me back down the line and maybe yeah, I can recommend it at that time. To. <laughs> I'll look forward to that. I do, for have, sure. I do have a couple in mind that actually have them here in hand so that I can show everybody the titles um, and exactly and exactly what they're focused on. So the first one is how the B Corp movement is remaking capitalism. I doubt you can read it. It's probably backwards. I apologize, folks. No. Uh, this is no, from Christopher Marquis. Um, and it is basically in a nutshell. It's looking at exploring how and why. B corporations uh, like public sector network uh, can be a major driver for change in the world. Um, obviously, we're dealing with a lot of different challenges as as a nation. We're dealing with a lot of different challenges as a species. Um, yes. And so, you know, how yeah. B corporations can be a driver and a force for good, if you will. I like that. That's Wonderful. good. Yeah. I will um, another one kind of coming back to some of the points we were discussing earlier about the public sector. Uh, this one is by Mitchell yeah. Weiss, and it is called We the Possibility. Okay. Okay. And that one's focusing yeah. on uh, harnessing uh, the dynamism within government um, and how public sector institutions uh, can, and I'm paraphrasing, can basically be a, a force for innovation um, to yeah. offer bold solutions uh, to challenges across the world. I love that. Yeah, no. Oh. Um, and then this one, I, I'm probably a little early in, in recommending this. I just started this actually over yeah. the weekend, um, okay. but this is one that I'm doing more from a kind of self-growth sort of standpoint, if you okay. will. Um, and this one is called Gender and Our Brains. Um, it's by uh, Gina, I don't oh, wow. know if I'm pronouncing her name, probably G Gina Rapon, uh, R-I-P-P-O-N. Um, and in a nutshell, this one's kind of looking at questioning our own understanding of gender, uh, binary structures, and kind of what we've learned often from the youngest age to yeah. better comprehend the nuances of human identity. Right. Um, and about kind of questioning your own perceptions of the world, questioning your own your own biases, uh, really trying to kind of challenge and reassess my worldview. So I've just gotten started with this literally probably over the weekend. I think I started on Saturday. Um, today is what Thursday. So I'm not that far in. I'm only about a chapter and a half in. Uh, yeah. But it's been very, very interesting, very intriguing thus far. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm glad it's all light you. reading for you, Alex, you know, nothing really deep or, or anything like that. So, <laughs> Oh, that's, that's, I'm sure I've got a Batman somewhere hanging out in the background. No, that's all right. Well, your growth mindset, your growth mindset is super impressive, Alex. Oh. And I love your mission-based work and how you bring what you're interested in doing for community and global views to your own sort of capture of self-care and growth mindset. It's really impressive. Yeah. Those are great books. Oh, Thank I you. I appreciate it. it. Yeah. So what, uh, what three um, other podcasts besides ours um, would you recommend um, to the audience and, and why those podcasts, if you even listen to podcasts, because, you know, we're finding like some people aren't podcasters. They don't, they don't necessarily listen to them, but if you are, what three, uh, three do you listen to and why, what, why? Um, three that I'll highlight. One is going to be a shameless plug. Yeah. Hi, Public Sector Network. Um, <laughs> That's all so right. I'm, I'm definitely going to recommend the, the PSN podcast, uh, the Public Sector Network podcast. Okay. We do engage, as I mentioned earlier, with uh, a lot of really innovative public sector leaders who are doing some really, really interesting stuff um, and really trying to drive society forward. So if anybody has any of the uh, the audiences uh, coming from the public sector, has an interest in the public sector, or has any interest in what public sector leaders are doing to hopefully make the world a little bit of a better place for all of us to live in, 
Um, that's a good one to, uh, to, to hone in on. Um, Right. Another one I'm a big fan of is Freakonomics Radio. Um, it's probably pretty well known as far as yeah. podcasts go, okay. uh, but it's kind of strange and unique and has many yeah. interesting topics and falls within within that kind of love of, of economics that I've mentioned uh, that yeah. I have earlier. Yeah. Um, and then the third one that I would recommend is an NPR podcast uh, called Code Switch, uh, and it explores race oh. and racial issues and just how central that is to basically every aspect of American life um, yeah. and how yeah, it right. permeates culture and things of that nature. So really, really yeah, interesting podcast. Check that well. one out. Yeah, no, those are great suggestions yeah. for sure. Um, so what's the one question you wish that we would have asked you and how would you have answered that question? <laughs> Boy, that's a good one. That is a good question. Um, it's your time to get your message out. Yeah. yeah. I would say that the question that I, I would have liked to have been posed is, do you have a question for our next guests? Um, so that I could kind of throw that on to the next person, whoever that is, that would be joining you on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, that, that would be my question that I would have liked to have been posed by you guys. <laughs> oh, I like that. No, that's really that's good. A good. That's yeah. a great question. So what question? The second so part what, of her question was, yeah, is how do so you what answer would that? You like, what, what question should we uh, throw to our, to our next guest then? What would you want us to ask them? How are they engaging with the next generation like and that. upcoming leaders? And what are they doing to support their move into the work world, right? How are they kind of giving back to the next generation, if you will? I love that question, Alex. That's a really good one. I wrote it down. Yeah, me too. That's a good one for sure. I like it. No, this is- I really appreciate that question too, because that's the theme in which Linda, we're uh, the premise of our whole concept here is to try and talk as humans to the next generation or to those that are trying to make a difference where we can help them. It doesn't mean the youth. It could mean- people that are ready to take on that challenge. Yeah. And so I like that you say, how are they engaging and supporting the next generation is a, is a global, it's not an it's, age group yeah. is my point. Yeah. And really appreciate that. Yeah. It's an excellent question for, for the theme of what we're trying to accomplish. So thank you for that. My pleasure. Well, my pleasure. And I'm looking forward to hearing what they have to say. Oh, me too now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love it. That is a really good question. You just gave us a season three idea yeah, now. Come absolutely. on. No, I love it. Well, Will, of course, we'd love to have you uh, come back as well um, yeah, please. Uh, the, in you. the future. It's been so great um, spending some time with you and, uh, and getting to learn even a little bit more about you. And, um, you know, I, I've always enjoyed our conversations. And so uh, so thanks so much for being a part of our uh, our podcast today. Yeah, thank you very, very much. Really appreciate it. Your pearls of wisdom are going to permeate as far as we can yeah, reach. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no. I really, really appreciate the invitation. Thank you both again for having me. And thank you for holding, for having this podcast. Because uh, candidly, there is a lot of insight that you have been sharing uh, in the episodes that I've seen thus far. I think I've seen through episode four, if I'm not mistaken. Um, lots great. of pearls, lots of great wisdom and insight uh, to oh. share with folks. So thank you for having this because this is really, really great. Absolutely. No, thanks. Thank, Thank you. you so much. We'll take it, Alex. So, well, thanks everyone for joining us today. We'll look forward to, uh, to catching you on our next episode. Uh, thanks so much, Scott, uh, for, uh, for being here with me again today. Yeah. Thanks Linda. Appreciate Have a great it. Day. Thank you both. We hope you enjoyed this episode of an unconventional guide to success. If you want to learn more about Alex Chard, you can follow him on LinkedIn. His profile is in the show notes. 
And to learn more about the Public Sector Network, check out their website at www.publicsectornetwork.com. An Unconventional Guide to Success is an inspirational, motivated series hosted by Scott Montgomery and Linda Misogatis, recorded on Riverside.fm. Music, editing, and production by Logan Misogatis. Check out Scott Montgomery's new book, How Did You Get Here?, and all the helpful related materials at www.howdidyougethere.com. Thank you for joining us on our journey. If you would like to reach out to us, our contact information is in the show notes.